And so the first trip that I ever took was with Maroon 5. And <laughs> that was just such an extraordinary experience because their whole team, they've been doing it for so long that they have everything down to an art. They have such a talented crew and such awesome management that it was just like a dream. I couldn't believe that I was at work. Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the show that highlights remarkable young professionals of color killing it on their career journeys. I'm your host, Priscilla Esquivel-Weninger, proud Texas Latina, daughter of immigrants, and lover of breakfast tacos. Meet me for a coffee chat every Friday as we dive into a special guest story and hear all about their challenges, milestones, and lessons learned. If you're a young professional of color and you're feeling lost in your career or just need a dose of inspiration, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram. Instagram, if you haven't yet, come join the conversation and the community that we're building at ECM Podcast. That's ECM Podcast, so that you don't miss any new episodes or updates. Okay, so today's episode is a good one. We're featuring our first ally guest, Donnie Tavel. Donnie and I crossed paths in Austin while both attending UT Austin for business school, and we took a class together on the science of happiness that required us to write a pretty in-depth biography about our lives that we also all had to read. And when I read her amazing story about moving to Los Angeles from Indiana, without any contacts, and then breaking into the music industry successfully, I just knew I had to ask her to be on the show. Donnie tells us what it was like to visualize and then execute on an exciting goal to move up the ranks in international music marketing and then travel the world with amazing artists. So if you've ever thought about breaking into an industry that's tough, and that requires a lot of networking and knowing people, then this is a great episode for you. Hey, Donnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And aloha from Oahu. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous you're in Hawaii. That sounds amazing. But yeah, so Donnie, why don't you introduce yourself and just give us a little sense of your personal background? So I am from Indianapolis, Indiana. That is where I grew up. I decided not to venture too far from home for undergrad. I went to Indiana University, Bloomington, which was pretty fun, but I knew in college that I wanted to work in music. I had this epiphany that the things that I was good at were all of my business classes and the place that I spent all of my time and money was in the music world. So I thought if I can combine these two things, I am always going to be happy because the benefits of my job are going to be the things that I would otherwise pay for. And even on the toughest days in my job, it's going to be stuff I'm excited to be doing. So I followed that kind of intuition out to Los Angeles right after school. And that's where I kickstarted my journey. Yeah. And since you realized this was something you wanted to do in college, did you end up doing a lot of internships to help you figure that out? Absolutely. And I think that is so key. As soon as I had this epiphany really about working in music, the next day I sat down at my computer and made a list of every single music company that I could find in Bloomington, which surprisingly, there's a fair number of music companies, which that was very surprising to me. It's very similar to, I guess, most college towns. It's big when the college students are there and not so big when they're gone. But I emailed the guy, it was a roots and reggae publicity company. And they also did a little bit of booking. And I emailed him and just said, Hey, 
I'm a college student. I'm super excited about music and I'm detail-oriented, willing to do the work, and you don't have to pay me. I will work for free. I just really would like to learn about what you do. Would you be open to having an intern? And so I met up with him the following day after that, and he brought me just like a box of CDs and said, listen to all of these things, and RIP CDs, remember those? Oh my God, CDs. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had literally used to ride around in my car listening to these CDs that this guy gave to me, trying to familiarize myself, and then the next thing he had me do was start working on some press releases for those and figuring out how to talk about those bands. And so that was, it was a much smaller company. And then I used that as a stepping stone the following summer to get an internship in Chicago, which was at a company called Aware Records and A Squared Management. And that I think Mm -hmm. was really the beginning of my official music career. It was a little bit risky because obviously I wasn't in Chicago. (laughs) So I told my parents, I might be living in Chicago this summer for an internship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, they had worked with a bunch of artists that I love, including like John Mayer and Dave Matthews Band and just all of these incredible things. And I thought oh, if wow. I could work there, they're working in real music. It's not like these unknown folky bands that I've never heard of. Um, and so yeah. I went up there and worked with them all summer. And I had an incredible mentor named Josh Terry. He was very candid all summer, was very hard as a manager, had very high expectations. And I think you learn some of the tough lessons that way, just about being detail-oriented and not dropping the ball and all of those things. How did you end up learning about the different jobs that exist in the music industry? And are there a lot of jobs? There are a ton of jobs in music. And I think one of the things that I always tell people who come to me asking for career advice is to just get to know the business. There is an excellent book by Donald Passman. He is an entertainment attorney who wrote this book called Everything You Should Know About the Music Business. And he updates it every couple of years to reflect current technologies and current companies and just the shifts, the major shifts that have happened in music. And that's a really good place to start because it teaches you all about the label business and now the streaming business. It teaches you about music publishing. Mm -hmm. It talks about the roles of accountants and lawyers and that sort of thing in the context of music. And that book is really written, I think, more for an artist to understand who the people are Mm -hmm. that should be on their team. But I think as any person who's trying to break into the industry, the best thing you can do is to have an understanding of what types of companies exist. And then when I was first starting, what I did is I would literally, after I had these big lists of, okay, there's talent agencies, there's record labels, there's technology. I went through and I just looked at every single career site and just started reading job descriptions and saying, what kind of jobs do they offer in these places? Just research the industry generally, know that there are record labels, know that there are agencies, know that there are publishing houses, know that there are, I mean, infinite things. Think about what your skill sets are and what you can bring to the table and what things excite you. And then just start reading some of those job descriptions. If you can think about some of the functions that you like, maybe it's marketing, maybe you're a finance person, start reading the job descriptions that will identify the skills and such that you can be cultivating to prepare for those jobs. And don't start reading them when it's time for you to start applying. Start reading them before you'd be applying to full-time roles. So by the time that you do get to those roles, you have all those skills that they're looking for. So after your college graduation, I know that you headed out to LA to start your career in music. What was that like moving to LA with like no job? I went to LA with nothing but a mission 
to get a job. <laughs> I did not have <laughs> friends or family or contacts. And that was super scary for me. I at first thought that I was going to move to Nashville because I thought to myself, you know what, my that mentor that I had in Chicago, he had since moved to Nashville and started a music company of his own. And so I thought, wow, he could help me. He's plugged in. But then I thought, you know what, what good is that going to do me? I need to really trust that I have built up a skill set that is valuable. And I know that I personally am motivated enough to at least try and make this happen. And so I, of course, had to lean on my parents a little bit because it's pretty expensive to just move out to Los Angeles. And the music industry doesn't have the best track record of high paying jobs, especially at the entry level. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I went out there and had nobody. So it was a pretty lonely time. And I can remember just like the apartment building where I was living in West Hollywood had this lovely rooftop, not I say lovely and I don't know. It, it was very, <laughs> very bare. There was nothing up there. I just brought a blanket and would sit up there and look at the Hollywood Hills and think to myself, like, I cannot wait like for the day when I'm sitting in Los Angeles and I'm just at brunch with my friends and I can look around and think, oh, I made all these friends while I was here and like I have a job and it's gonna be so great. And just <laughs> visualize what my life would look like once I had gotten all of my ducks in a row. And it takes mm -hmm. a lot of time and it will probably take a couple of positions to, to really figure out what your place is in the industry. The, the first role that I took definitely wasn't my forever role. And I learned that really quickly even though that's what I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I would say give it time, believe in yourself, which is like such a cliche thing to say. But if you know that you work hard all the time and you can honestly sit with yourself and say, I know that I'm motivated enough to go out there and make this happen, then you can do it. One of my favorite things that you just talked about and referenced is the power of visualization. And sometimes this sounds really like woo-woo and like hokey to people, but I am huge on visualizing what success looks like. And I just think it's so powerful to be thinking about and feeling and getting excited about our dreams and our goals because it does put you in a different kind of mindset. But anyway, how did you manage to get that first job in LA? I would say that... As in probably most careers, it's a lot about being in the right place at the right time. And especially in music, things move so quickly. So that was one of the reasons that I thought to myself, I'm not going to get a job applying to things from Indiana. I need to be in LA. I need to be introducing myself to all of these people and make sure that the people who have access to these open roles know that I'm looking and that I'm available to start immediately. So I, anybody that I met in LA... I basically said, these are my interests. This is what I bring to the table. And I'm so excited to find, I, I'm really open to talking about any job opportunity that's out there. I, I think informational interviews, informational chats are so important. And as somebody mm -hmm. who's trying to learn about an industry, that's one of the most valuable things you can do because you might learn about a role that you never knew existed. And so the first job that I had was in the talent management space. And the guy that I worked for actually managed Kid Rock and Uncle Cracker. And that was just like the most Hollywood experience I could ever imagine. I was like, oh my gosh, this is an artist that people know. And I'm working out of a office in the Hollywood Hills. And I think that role came out of like a, a mutual friend who was on a 
listserv of exclusive Hollywood postings. And it didn't say the company and it didn't say the artist. But because I had gone to coffee with him and said, hey, I'm just, I'm really open to anything. I'm interested in talent management, but if anything else comes up, please keep me in mind. And I made sure everyone had a copy of my resume. And so as soon as he saw this job posting, he sent it over to me and said, hey, this is online. I don't really know much about it, but feel free to reach out to them. Here's the link. And so I just started put mm-hmm. throwing my hat in the ring for things. I think it's super important to be open to every conversation, especially at the beginning of your career. And don't think that you're above any role. Obviously, know your worth and know your value. But I think it's really important even just to have those conversations and go through interview process so that you get that experience and you can get a better understanding of which things you like and don't like. Okay. So your first role, I remember the title was executive assistant. Mm -hmm. What did that really mean? What was your day-to-day like in that first role? Oh man, it was nuts. So every day is a little different as an assistant. And I think it's really important to clarify if you are interviewing for an executive assistant role, if the nature of the role is purely professional and business, or if it also includes uh, the personal life of Mm. the executive you're looking after. Mine was a little bit of both. Um, We worked out of a home office. So it was an office of four people, a pretty small situation. Part of what I had to do was prepare coffee in the morning and accept all of the Amazon packages and things that came to the house. But then within my first week, one of our artists was recording a music video. And so everybody was off site and I was alone in the office and they would call me and say, Hey, you need to figure out how to get this thing to set. And this was like before Postmates and Uber Eats and all these things where you could just have a courier go and deliver stuff. So I'm sitting there like, how am I going to get this to the set if I'm not allowed to leave the office? So it was just like, (laughs) I, I mean, you just never know. Every day is different. But I think the The key to being a really good assistant to anyone is to really get to know them on a personal level so that you can anticipate the stuff that's going to make them happy or upset them, or you can learn about how do they like to travel so that when you are booking travel for your executive, they only like to sit on the right side of the plane in the aisle seat, or they would like only transatlantic flight of on this style of plane. I mean, little Mm -hmm. tiny details that most people wouldn't think about. It's those little nuanced things that that really show that you're paying attention and that you care. And that's what gets people to know that you're going to go that extra mile, that you're going to pay attention. You're not just going to do enough to get it done, but you're going to do it well. And you're going to make sure that everybody involved is taken care of and not just for personal things like travel, but for any part of your job. How you do, what is this, like a Peloton quote? How you do anything is how you do everything, I swear. So every task that was assigned to me, I thought I have to do the best possible job on this because if I don't do a really good job on these little small tasks, I will never be entrusted to do the much bigger projects. So that's how I looked at everything. Yeah. And that makes total sense. People are always evaluating to see how you treat the little details, the small things to see if you can handle bigger projects. So that's really cool that you had that intuition. So tell me about how you decided to end up leaving that role and then ending up at Interscope Records. So I was starting to see that a lot of the decisions that we were making and a lot of the the money that we needed to do certain activities was controlled by the record labels. And to me, that was really curious. And I thought, I would like to know how and why those decisions are made. 
And so I just started looking at what roles are open at these major labels. I thought it would be really interesting to go and work for a bigger company that had a little bit more structure because there's always the possibility of transferring within a company. So if you come in during one role and you do it for a year and you're like, not exactly my cup of tea at a big company, there's always a possibility of an internal transfer if you apply and if the company obviously lets you do that kind of thing. But I just thought it'd be interesting to see bigger structure. And so I had started to apply for a couple of things through the Universal Music Group career website. So Interscope sits under the umbrella of Universal. And I just one afternoon was going to a bar for a birthday party of a mutual friend. And so I sat down at this bar drinking a margarita and was talking to another girl who was there telling her about what I do in LA and that I was really interested in, in a career switch and a career advancement. And she said, oh, that's really interesting. What kind of jobs are you applying for? And I said, I've applied to a couple of things on Universal Music Group's website, including this job and that job. And she said, huh, I posted that job. That's really interesting. And I thought, oh my God, what do you mean you posted the job? Like you also applied for it or what do you mean? She said, I'm a recruiter for Universal. And wow. in that moment, like all of the Hollywood stars aligned, right? That, that thing that I said at the beginning, being in the right place at the right time. That evening, she said, send me your resume. I have a different job that I think you'd be a really great fit for. I would love for you to apply. And she said she'd been having some trouble finding the right candidate for it. So I sent her my resume that night, like immediately when I got home. Tuesday, I had an interview. And Thursday, I think it was, I had a job offer. So it was wow. super quick. And yeah. it really just goes back to that whole like being in the network, being open to conversations, putting out into the world what it is that you're looking for and what you want, mm -hmm. and just making sure that you've done all of the work in advance to set yourself up for if any opportunity becomes available, you're just ready to jump on it and take advantage of it. I really love that because it shows how important it is to really get out there and talk to people and let them know about your goals and your dreams, especially when it comes to an industry like the music industry that's hard to break into. Like you were not scared of going out and telling people what you were interested in doing. And that was a big factor in your success. So I think that's great. Yeah, it definitely takes some practice learning how to ask for what you want and doing it tactfully. You don't just want right. to go out there asking the universe, hey, give me this, give me that. I'm entitled. You, know, you always want to stay away from that. But demonstrating that you are a valuable asset to a company and that you are excited and passionate to, to work hard and get to you know, whatever point it is that you're aspiring to, I think that is, that's how you land those productive and helpful conversations where people are ready to turn around and be like, oh my gosh, let me help you get there. Mm hmm. Okay, so tell us about your time at Interscope and what were the lows and the highs of that time. And now a quick message from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. If you're thinking of getting a graduate degree like many of the other Early Career Moves guests, check out our awesome sponsor, The Art of Applying. The Art of Applying has spent the last 10 years helping people who aren't the cookie cutter applicants for top business, law, policy, and other programs get into their dream schools, and get money to pay for them. They have a large team of expert consultants who know what it takes to get into the school of your dreams and can give you the roadmap for how to get there, especially if you're stuck on something like getting the perfect test score or struggling with the right words to put in your essays. They believe each applicant has more to offer than just their test scores or GPA. 
And that approach has helped thousands of their clients get into their dream schools and earn more than $20 million in merit scholarships and fellowships. Graduate schools care about your entire application, and I love that their team helps applicants put their best foot forward. As a sponsor of the Early Career Moves podcast, they've invited listeners to explore working with their team by going to theartofapplying.com slash ECM and signing up for a quick call. If you mention the Early Career Moves podcast, you get $100 off enrolling in their hourly coaching or application accelerator program. If you're dreaming of going to a top school without paying top dollar, go to theartofapplying.com slash ECM. So I came into Interscope as an assistant. So I made a kind of horizontal move from one executive assistant position to another executive position assistant. But I came in on the international team at Interscope and I had such an awesome boss. And so I worked for him. And just like I did in my other role, I was exceptionally detail oriented. I paid really close attention to who he was as a person and kind of the things that made him feel like I was really focused and everything was, you know, organized and mm-hmm. and taken care of. But one of the other things for, in his office, I was really the gateway between everybody else, all of the talent teams and all of the internal teams and all of that kind of stuff before they got to my boss. And so I always wanted to try and be a credible source of information to them. I never wanted people to feel like I was just an obstacle in their way of getting what they needed. And so I started working really hard to cultivate relationships with artist managers who would call in and with the other executives from the company who were looking for my boss and positioned myself as someone that they could come to with a question, given the understanding that I may know. And if I don't know, I will get them an answer and I will get it quickly. I never wanted to just be the person that answered the phone before they got to my boss. And that paid off really well. Going that extra mile, staying the extra late hours, making sure that I knew exactly who everybody was right from the beginning. And that is super hard when you're an assistant is trying to learn really fast who all of the contacts are that call and who are the the high stakes phone calls that always need to get patched Mm -hmm. through your boss and who do you put on the role of calls to do for later. Getting all of that sorted so that as you transition into being their assistant, it seems like super seamless. That goes a really long way. But yeah, our so our team was pretty small. And then about a year in, one of the people on our team decided to move over to artist management. And so a role opened up and I had only been at the company for a year. So in no stretch of my imagination did I think, oh man, I'm going to go for this role. But literally the same day that I found out, my boss came to me and said, hey, this person's leaving. I want you to step up into the role. Which to me was just like, oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing that has ever <laughs> happened to me and the biggest like ode to working hard. I, I can't believe he wants me to do this. And that's obviously tough for him because now he's yeah. going to have to find an assistant. So he must really believe in my ability to get this done. And right. I think one of the interesting things in music is you usually go from being an assistant to a coordinator and then you might work with somebody else on projects and then you become into more of a manager role. And so I was jumping straight from an assistant to a manager role where I would have my own roster of clients. And so that, it was a pretty big jump. And I moved up a lot faster than the peer group that I came into the company with. And that was a little bit isolating Mm -hmm. because you felt like, man, I'm still struggling and I still want to like hang out with all these people. But you're also now dealing with such different work projects that I think it's It it was a really interesting transition from being an assistant to a manager. 
Yeah, that's definitely a big leap. So when you transition into this role, how did you fill in the learning gaps that you had? And how did you learn to be successful in something that you hadn't done before? Definitely not being afraid to ask for help. I had teammates who were much younger than me and much older than me. And I asked everyone. I mean, there was a lot that I had picked up on from being the assistant in that department. So I had seen the budgets before I had seen the flights and I had seen kind of examples of the itineraries for the promotion trips and listened in on marketing calls. So there was a lot of stuff that I was broadly aware of, but there's always stuff. There's lingo that you don't know. There's there's acronyms and there's partners that you're not aware of. And as I mentioned earlier, there's different strategies for every single artist. And if you haven't been, like if the artist has been part of the label for a long time and you were not in on those conversations at the onset, you have to figure out, okay, what is it about this artist that I need to know? So you're doing a lot of research on your own, um, which also meant listening to a lot of music, which is always good. But yeah, I, hmm, there's, I think the fake it till you make it thing is important. <laughs> I think confidence mm-hmm, yeah. inspires confidence. If you act, you know what you're doing, people will believe that you know what you're doing. And if you don't actually (laughs) Mm -hmm. know what you're doing, you better not be afraid to ask. Because if you do it wrong, everybody's going to know real quick. Tell us about the glamorous international travel moments that you had and the artists that you got to work with. One of the wonderful things about working on the international team is that you are doing exactly that, working on an international scale. And so as I was starting, I had to take a couple of training trips. So our team, we had promotion managers and marketing directors, which later became one one role. And we would actually do all of the planning for those big international trips while we were in Los Angeles. And then we would execute everything in those plans in the markets where all of the plans were taking place. So we would actually be the people that traveled with the artists into market to explain, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, here's the expected result, here's how long it's gonna take, here's the snacks that are gonna be there, like literally everything. And so the first trip that I ever took was with Maroon 5. And <laughs> that was just such an extraordinary experience because their whole team, they've been doing it for so long that they have everything down to an art. They have such a talented crew and such awesome management that it was just like a dream. I couldn't believe that I was at work. And it, when a lot of the time when you have a big travel party and you have well-known people that are in the spotlight all the time, it becomes pretty difficult to do commercial travel. You get stopped a lot, and it's not a super Mm -hmm. pleasant experience for artists that are traveling through commercial airports. And so I ended up getting to fly on my first private plane on that Mm -hmm. trip, which was like so such a pinch me moment. And I think that was the first time that I thought, wow, like all of this work that I have done in terms of leaving home and moving to LA by myself and like having this really little tiny salary and my first job and then going like over preparing for the Interscope interview and working really hard as an assistant. Now look at all of this stuff. It's starting to pay off. I mean, you really have these full circle moments that are like, wow, this is a result of my hard work and I'm just going to take a moment and breathe in and experience gratitude for it. It's so cool. And when you're doing something that you love, it doesn't feel like work, even when you are working and not sleeping. So that I think was probably the first most like awesome moment. But of course, as time goes on, there are different cycles for each album. 
So you'll have the time period leading up to an album release, then you have the album release, and there's the time period after. And then the artist goes back into, they'll either go touring to support that album. And then after that, they'll go back into another writing period before they release another album. So you switch from artist. Mm -hmm. I worked with Lana Del Rey, which was very fun. I had the opportunity to work with Imagine Dragons and Sting, which was like another pinch me moment of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my life. (laughs) He is absolutely the most exquisite person. He's so intelligent and so talented. And it's such a privilege to get to work with people like Sting and his entire team. So I think there's a ton of highs that I can think about. And those are the things that stick out to me way more than the lows. I think the only lows that I can think about are really just that when you're traveling abroad and traveling as often as we were to get these trips done, you have to give up a lot of your ability to commit to things in your home area. So I wasn't able to be around all of my friends in LA that I had finally started to cultivate. Mm -hmm. I couldn't commit to going to weddings and I couldn't commit to being at home around the holidays for the entire period of time. Because if I had to go be with an artist for a promotional activity, that was it. I had to get on the plane and go. So that got tough at times. But I do think it goes back to choosing a career where you really love the subject of what you do. Because even on those hardest nights when you are staying up, you're sitting in a hotel room, that's like a little bit less optimal than you might have selected for yourself. It's You're working on something that is a fun challenge. It's something that is something you've worked for a long time. And so even if it's really hard, even if it's really, oh, I'm missing my cousin's wedding, it's a very cool moment because you're getting to do the thing that you worked so hard to do. Donnie, thank you so much for being with us today. You have a really refreshing take on what it's like to forge a career that's exciting, but also work really hard to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. It has been such a joy to share my story with you and to all the listeners. It's a tough industry, but it is so worth it. So Priscilla, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into the Early Career Moves podcast. Be sure to visit ecmpodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and become a part of our newsletter community. And if you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Talk to you next week.